Welcome to LifeWords Q&A podcast with Andrew Morris and David Ray. This is our weekly discussion about all things revolving around life and faith. Uh, questions that you've submitted over the last couple of weeks. And uh, in the next 20 minutes or so, we'll have a look at three questions. Welcome, David. Great to have you along. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be here. Well, Dave, uh, our first question is, one of the worship leaders in our church is going through a marriage breakdown, and our pastor has told her she has to step down from her role. I think it's unfair. What do you think? It's very hard to know because I don't know quite what the thinking or motivation is behind the action. On one hand, it does seem harsh. Um, if, if the idea is, oh, you're having some problems, are you? You can't do any ministry in the church. Well, I think most of us would have to step down if that were the case. Um, all church members have problems and many have marital problems. Um, and if we forbid people from leadership on those grounds, yeah, we end up having very few leaders. And also, it can be kicking someone while they're down. Uh, this person's got a problem and uh, the church steps in or it can seem to be stepping in saying, well, you've got a problem. Therefore, you know, sorry, you can't have any part to play in our church. And that does seem like kicking a person when they're down. But but as I say, I don't know the thinking or motivation here because it, 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 it might be a very wise and sensitive and appropriate um, action on the part of the pastor, um, simply from the point of view of saying, hey, you're going through this very difficult situation. We don't want to have you burdened with other things. It's best that you, as it were, go onto the sidelines for a while, not as punishment, um, or not because we think you're a terrible person, uh, not even as church discipline, but as a recognition there's a difficult problem to work through and you might need more time and space to work through it. Uh, and if that's the case, I think that's, that's a, it's a very reasonable suggestion. Um, it very much depends on the motivation of the pastor and, of course, on the way it's done because the person concerned may feel horribly marginalised and rejected that I'm, I'm having enough problems uh, in my marriage and in my life and here's the church telling me, well, sorry, we've got no further use for you. But uh, then again, it can be a very wise and sensitive act on the part of the pastor to say, look, uh, hey, hang on, look, look, just just, uh, just take a break for a while. Very much depends. You see, if, if, if the message is coming across that, oh, you've got a problem and therefore uh, we're not going to allow you to have any public role in the church. I think that's a very dangerous precedent. And um, yes, 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 we, you know, certainly, obviously, if someone's guilty of some terrible sin uh, or there's a terrible addiction they've got or something, yes, we might have to step them down from certain ministry roles, but you've got to, where do you draw the line? Um, as I say, you can't marginalise everyone or, or tell them to step down from ministry role because someone's battling a significant problem. May, may, maybe the ministry that they're having in the church can be a way in which they help work through the problem. Who knows? What about from a pastoral staff point of view? If, if, if a paid staff person is going through a marital breakdown, would you see that any different? Do you think they should have time out? Yeah, I, I, I think that can be a fair thing. Again, it, it, it can be a fair response. Again, it depends on what we call by marital breakdown. I mean, if a person's going through some marital issues and going through a tough patch in their marriage, well, oh, dear me, I, I wouldn't necessarily think um, they'd have to step down. I think where you have to step down, there'd be probably, I'm thinking here of two instances. One is when it, it's, it's more or less like a publicly scandalous sort of thing, that the church is seeing that you're at loggerheads with one another, that there's um, even abuse towards one another. I think that is certainly you probably need to step down because it's become a publicly almost scandalous thing. Secondly, you step down when the issues that are in your life, such as your marriage breakdown, 
are affecting your capacity to minister. You see, I don't, I, I don't think that I'd necessarily want to automatically stand someone down if they're having marital difficulties, um, because a lot of church staff, I can show you, have marital difficulties, uh, or if they're struggling with some sin, uh, I think you minister out of your weakness, you minister out of your struggles. But if it's publicly scandalous, or if it really is affecting your capacity to minister, then the best thing to do is to perhaps step down for a while. But these things have to be done very, very sensitively, very, very pastorally. Thanks, David. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A. David Ray, Andrew Morris, you can subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes store. Just search for Hope Media Limited and LifeWords Q&A. Otherwise, you can hop onto hope1032.com.au and uh, you can get David's daily devotional, uh, which is published each day on the website, as well as this weekly Q&A podcast. David, our second question is, someone I love and who's close to me has lied to me about something very important. How can I ever trust them again? Uh, yes, with great difficulty, isn't it? it? It's so hard to recover trust. Um, there's no magic solution to that. I think it's a matter of resolving each and every day with God's help to refrain from chewing over the issue. You see, this is really, a, I suppose, a forgiveness issue, really, at, at, at the end of it. Uh, the person has to say to God each day, God, help help me not to go over and over and over this betrayal. Uh, help it not help me not to have it distort my relationship with that person but I'd want to assure such a person is that it takes time um, and in our imperfect world it may never resolve itself entirely uh, we've got to learn to live with unsatisfactory relationships I mean that's what God does with us and so I think we have to learn to live with that with other people um, I think the, at the very least you can aim at civility and aim at being honest yourself um, you may have lingering doubts about their honesty, uh, but at the same time, I think that's just with the help of God, just one step after another each day saying, God, help me. Not necessarily the relationship may never be exactly the same as it was before, but help me to just relate to them politely, relate to them honestly, uh, and not to let their betrayal of trust um dominate everything because yes they may have betrayed your trust um, but there's more to them than that uh, that's not the only thing to say about them and, and, and there's another thing however I'd want to say um, in, in considering this um, what's the question it's someone's close to me has lied to me about something very important um, now the person who lied to you may have done it very unkindly deliberately wanting you to be misled and as I say that's a very tough thing but you see, some people in other circumstances tell a lie with the aim of protecting someone they love against hurt. Um, I can imagine a parent sometimes telling a child that a certain thing didn't happen, and then when the child grows up to be an adult, they find out it did happen. Mm. And they think, my parents lied to me. How can I trust them ever again? Um, what I'm going to say, that it's a little bit different there, uh, because I think some people tell a lie with the aim of protecting someone they love against hurt. Now, you may say, well, they shouldn't have lied to me. Well, yeah, that, that, that's, that you may well want to say that. But I can think of situations where a parent or, or someone, not necessarily a parent, but someone can actually not reveal a truth, a, a certain truth, in order to protect someone. Now, you may or may not agree with it, um, but what I'm saying is it happens. So the lie, while hurtful, is not maliciously intended. Now, I'm not sure what the motivation is behind this question, but this question of this person has lied to me can be a malicious betrayal, in which case, you know, the long, hard, slow process of forgiveness has to be applied. 
but it could be just a case of maybe, for example, a parent who has who has um, not told the truth to a child. The child has discovered uh, the truth later on, and is now feeling very hurt and betrayed. But I just want to say to that person, well, yes, 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 yes. You may have thought that your parent should have acted better, but I don't see that necessarily as a betrayal of trust. I see that far more as a parent taking a decision, a hard decision, to say one thing rather than another. Yes, yes, you could say it's a lie. But whatever else you think about it, it may have been a lie told out of love. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A. David Ray answering your questions about life and faith. And we uh, reach our third question here, David, for uh, this episode. What do we say to someone who's been consistently abused by church leaders? Now, I'm not sure if it's uh, what kind of abuse, but how can we encourage them to go on trusting Jesus? Yeah, I'm not sure about the abuse, but abuse is abuse is abuse, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Um, I, I think when, when the question is, what do we say to someone, I, I, my brief answer is very little. Um, what on earth do you say to someone who has been consistently abused by someone over the years? Um, on one level, we can agree that the church consists of fallible people and we aren't perfect. Um, and our task, yes, is to go beyond such imperfections and look to the perfection of Jesus. I, I think I, I agree with all that. But I don't know just how helpful that is, uh, even though it's true. Um, and and those people who have been hurt deeply by church leaders, whether it's physical or emotional abuse, um, may even themselves recognise the truth of what I've just said. But um, the pain, it does make the pain go away. Um, it, I, I think it can sound all rather too glib for those people who may have survived monstrous abuse. Uh, yes, don't look, don't worry about these fallible people who have abused you. Look beyond that to Jesus. But hang on, these people were representatives of Jesus to me. And, and so how does that sort of work out? So look, uh, in the light of all that, I suspect there's little to say to such people beyond expressing sensitive sympathy and helping them, pointing them to ways in which, practical ways, they can come to grips with it all. I, I would certainly say uh, to a Christian in this situation, don't simply become a defender of the institution. Uh, don't simply sort of immediately feel, oh, the church is under attack, I must defend the church. Uh, no, I don't think that's quite the proper response. Um, nor, I think, can we just get involved in reasoned discussion. You see, Andrew, some people can ask you, it's a common question, why does God allow suffering, for example? Yeah. Well, that can have two um, two sources. It could be an academic discussion in a Bible discussion group in a church. Why does God allow suffering? So we then have what we might call a reasoned discussion about different aspects and different perspectives without solving the problem. We can at least discuss it rationally and reasonably. But if someone in the middle of a terrible pain or abuse or injustice cries out to you, uh, why does God allow suffering? Well, hang on, you're not going to have a reasoned discussion. You're not going to have a rational sort of roundtable um, uh, debate about it. There's too much pain for that. Um, so in these people's situation of abuse and so on, I, I don't, th I mean, you and I or other people in other more calm and reasoned environments may well have a debate about how the church can respond to claims of abuse and so on. But when you're dealing with someone who's in the thick of it, who's actually experienced it, um, I would say little and offer little, if any, defence. 
I joined with them in saying just how horrible and unchristian such conduct is. I'd commit them to prayer, trusting the Spirit of God can get through. And I do think that people who have been terribly abused by the institutional church, by representatives of the institutional church, can still see something of Jesus through the individual lives of decent Christians uh, who show that not all Christians behave like that. So if I've been abused by certain Christians or people claiming to be Christians in the church, one one uh, antidote to that in a way, and it doesn't solve the problem, but one antidote to it is to, to see that there are other Christians who actually treat me differently and respectively um, but ultimately uh, I don't think there is an answer to uh, what sort of well, I, don't, I don't think there is a way of saying what can I say in terms that will alleviate their pain I don't think you can say very much at all but to say that is a terrible thing that's happened to you there is no excuse for it no justification and you resolving in yourself if you have such a relationship with that person saying well I am jolly well going to be a greater and more more um, uh, authentic representative of Jesus uh, to them in the future. You've been listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. David, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. And uh, you can join David next week uh, for more LifeWords Q&A. In the meantime, you can revisit uh, previous podcasts at iTunes. Just uh, go to the podcast category of iTunes, search for LifeWords Q&A under Hope Media Limited. Otherwise, go to hope1032.com.au. And remember, you can subscribe to David's daily devotional email, which is sent to you each morning around about 5.30 in the morning and uh, a great way to get your day started. Till next week, catch you later.